What a night for CJ McCollum and the Portland Trailblazers fans. Wednesday night, they were able to say goodbye properly to CJ, who made his first trip to the Motor Center since the Blazers traded him last month. I am Aaron Fentress, along with Craig Bernbach, and you're listening to the Blazer Focus Podcast. I was at the Motor Center last night for CJ's sort of a farewell game, kind of, because he got traded and then was gone, and then he came back 50 days later, and the fans got a chance to uh, to embrace him with a 90-second ovation. I expected a big ovation. I did not think it would last 90 seconds. The coolest thing about it is that right when it seemed like it was going to die down, it just swelled back up, and it did that twice. It was pretty emotional. I got chills, you know, and I'm, I'm an objective journalist, and I got chills watching it all. Uh, Craig, I, I know you weren't there, but <laughs> I'm laughing at you saying you're objective. You're not objective about anything in life. You write objectively, but as a human, you're not. Wow, we're gonna start like that already. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You're a, you're a feeling. You're a feeling person. I'm not a fan of CJ McCollum. I'm not a Blazers fan. But you are objective on nothing. You have an opinion on everything. I was no. I was, <laughs> damn it. Objective opinion. See why? Why got to rail things already? Damn. I got him so hyped up. He banged his uh, microphone. Anyway, like for me, if Scotty Pippen came back, that'd be a big deal for me because I'm Scotty Pippen. CJ McCollum's a cool guy. I like covering him, but I'm not. I don't collect. CJ McCollum rookie cards that never wore his jersey. Anyway, before I was rudely interrupted <laughs> with Craig's nonsense, <laughs> let me get back to what I was saying is that even I got chills watching it. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, I thought he handled it amazingly. And I thought the fans were, were, were great. Your take from home. Yes, it went, it went longer. I, I knew it was going to be something big. Part of me was like, this is the reason that people are at this game, you know, the game doesn't matter at all, you know, and it's not going to be, we, we could talk about what's been going on on the court. So, you know, that anyone that was at that game, the reason was to be there for CJ or they couldn't so, dump their tickets in retrospect, on, <laughs> or they could dump their tickets, but they could, you could always give them away. Um, so I understood afterward, but I was like, Oh my goodness. And what hit me was I was trying to think of a similar situation. So usually when guys get that kind of reception on their first game back at a home game from a team in which they, you know, uh, contributed for a considerable amount of time, they're either one of two things. They're either a player that won a title there and they cheer that, you know, so you can even Ray Allen in Boston, you know, like, he wasn't there for forever and left and went to my, you know, had the Miami experience, but you get that. Or you don't have to win a championship to get that, to get that. But then you have to be, you know, a player that a Patrick Ewing in New York, a Damian Lillard, if he were to, if that would have happened to him this time, you know, Clyde Drexler coming back to Portland, the multiple all-stars, guys that who's, there's a good chance their jersey will be in the rafters. And as much as C.J. McCollum contributed to this team, he never made an all-star team. They never even made it to the finals. And yet here he was getting this hero's welcome. Um, And I'm not saying it wasn't deserved because obviously there's a lot, you know, that C.J. did that was excellent. And he was a great uh, community member. But, I mean, a guy that never made the all-star team was almost never the best guy on the court. And while they did have some playoff success, there was way more disappointment than there was success. And some of that disappointment came because of CJ's, you know, 
inability to stop other guards. You know what I mean? There, there's blame there as well. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like he was, it's hard as a Nick fan to blame Patrick Ewing for us not winning a title. Right. See how I said us? It just slips. It just slips. No, 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 you know what I mean? But you know what I mean? Like I, Patrick did everything, but there's, there's ways to say, and I would say the same about Dame. Like, you know, it's, it would be hard to blame Dame, but there's some, there's some stuff you could say, well, if CJ could have, you know, done a, been a better a distributor or of course on the defensive end, can you think of another, you know, player uh, on the CJ McCollum level that has ever gotten that kind of experience? Uh, well, I haven't attended all of those types of returns, so it's, it's difficult for me to say. But, you know, um, enough to – I mean, that was a we, – we were both there for, you know, a, a Brandon routine. It, it was better than – it was a more rousing than when Brandon Roy I don't remember or the when Roy LaMarcus thing. came. LaMarcus I could see because I, LaMarcus saying, left. Yes. CJ got traded. But, I mean, LaMarcus – there's a very good argument to raise LaMarcus's jersey to the rafters. I'm not saying you have to, but I mean, I don't think there's an argument to raise CJ McCollum's jersey to the rafters. Yeah, but you're always nicer to the boyfriend or girlfriend you broke up with than the one who left you. Aldridge left. And and, and the other thing about Aldridge, too, is had Aldridge stayed, the Blazers would have had a chance, a far greater chance yes. to maybe actually, well, I think they would have gotten to the finals once. And maybe even won it because then CJ emerges yeah, you on never the know. heels of, of, all, of Aldridge leaving. That would have been a pretty good trio. And, and what were they missing the entire time with Dame and CJ? Someone inside who could give you some offense um, down low. But anyway, I, I, they're still there. For me, We're still yeah, there. exactly. For me, CJ is a guy who didn't make the All Star team, but has played at an All Star level, the prop, or at least as, you know, like the lower and All Star level. But has been in the West, which has just been completely stacked. Remember. Dame has never started an all-star game. As great as he yeah. is, he hasn't started an all-star game. Why? Because he was in the West with Westbrook, Curry, Clay, and uh, Harden, to name, to, name, to name Chris Paul. Chris Paul, yeah. So that's just a tough group to crack. Same thing for CJ. But I think if you're a Blazers fan, you, you watch this guy uh, grow up before your eyes, go from a guy who was getting some DMPs to becoming a prolific 20-point uh, scorer for basically six years. Uh, you, you appreciate the uh, dynamic duo that those two gave you in the backcourt. Yeah, he had some faults, clearly defensively. And for me, I've been calling to break this duo up, duo up since 2016. I knew they'd never contend together as the best two players. But he was a part of the best team Portland has had in 20 years. And that's the team that went to the West Finals. And he was the guy who carried them over the, the finish line to get to the West Finals. In that game seven at Denver with the 37, I think it was, and the, and the block shot late <clears throat> on Jamal Murray. Uh, I love, I love that it's the block shot that like gets the, get the circle. And it was such a huge ovation. Yeah. You know, uh, on the tribute video. It's just, it's so ironic that that I know, block I know. shot is iconic. I know. You know, like, like, from who? I, I, he did, he, he got a, quite a few blocks, you know, for a two guard. So it's not like he never did it, but not, not many blocks like that. <laughs> Well, earlier this year he had a earlier this year he had a critical block in late late in the game, really early in the year. And I asked him about you know making the, a big play on the block, and he's like, "I've made big blocks before." I go, "Really?" And he, he goes, "Well, game seven. I go, "And he goes, "Well, yeah, just <laughs> the seven. one, maybe I guess." <laughs> so yeah, he doesn't have that many of those. But no, I I think he's a guy that that I hear everything you're saying. I totally I do not disagree with you. But he's the kind of guy that you would see that happen for. And plus, 
you're dealing with a market that hasn't won a title in what is it now, 45 years, um, that has had some issues with just getting stars here or getting stars to stay. And so it's almost, it's almost a small market love affair with a guy who was very, very good, but not necessarily great, but he gave you all that he had. And I think fans know that. And that brings me to another point that I was thinking is we always talk about, you know, the, what's out there, even though, you know, Dane was pretty adamant that he didn't believe in the, that people won't come to, to Portland, but that is a theme. And I was just thinking, wow, this is a nice, this is nice, a nice little commercial for her, for the Portland Trailblazers to recruit some players because they're seeing the treatment that CJ McCollum is getting, uh, for the career that he's had. And it's understandable for all those things you said. Like, I think, we, you know, I got why it was happening and there is some element to the season has been what it is. So you might as well celebrate a moment that you can celebrate, but I'm just thinking there's a lot of players that are at that CJ level. Like, as you mentioned how hard it is sometimes to make an all-star team or to be on an all NBA team. And CJ was right below there. And if you're looking and you're a player and you see that, um, you're like, wow, you know, I, that, that, that's special. And maybe that is a place that I want to play. It certainly didn't hurt. I'm not saying it gets it over the hump or something, but it certainly doesn't hurt to have the entire league get to watch a 90-second ovation for C.J. McCollum. Because you know there's people on the East Coast that are like, yeah, I know he was all right, but come on. <laughs> you, know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, he averages 20-something a game for a team that usually wins between 40 and 50 games, and they had a one nice run to get to the final, to get to the West Coast Finals. But come on, that guy's, you know, that's, I didn't know. I didn't know it was like that for CJ in, in Portland. You know, there was a lot of people around the league, fans that probably were surprised by that kind of o- ovation and treatment for, for CJ McCollum. But I thought the whole thing was great and classic CJ after the game, just being brutally honest, like how, you know, he w- he went off in the first, you know, the first few minutes he went off at 14 points and certain people, I'm not going to say who were calculating how <clears> he <throat> the 50. I'm not sure. I don't know who was doing that. <clears throat> Twitter, I expected was, 40. There was, there was, I expected 40 at least. <laughs> Man, he went close. He had one point. He had one point in the third quarter. I'm like, what the hell's wrong with you, CJ? It's a close game. What are you doing? He, but, I but, did not comment. But he said after the game, he was exhausted. I, he was fatigued. He was tired emotionally and physically. I'm like, oh, he didn't tell me that before I tweeted. Anyway, go ahead. That was my favorite part because that's typical CJ. Like, there aren't a lot of guys that would just come up and own it, right? You know, he just owned it. He's like, "Look, man, I was, I was physically and, and mentally exhausted." So I, he said, he almost airballed a, a free throw, yeah. you know, because that's how much it affected him. Uh, and you could see that, and and you could understand why because it wasn't just that he was playing that first game back. You know, his he he's got he left his son in Portland at three weeks old, you know, and had a, his house is still here. He left his wife and his son and then has been living at a hotel in, in New Orleans. So not only did he come home and have to deal with all the, you know, playing in the motor for the first time, seeing all his teammates, but you know, he, he had to, that whole thing. If you haven't seen, I can't, I can't even imagine. I've only got one. I only got one kid and I was, I took, you know, I haven't, I don't, I haven't got a, more than like two days without seeing him. And I can't imagine having to do that when he was three weeks old. So I, I see where that emotion stuff came through. So I loved his honesty about it. And also his explanation of like, this is, you kind of touched on it, Aaron. This is the, 
the greatest separation of a player maybe ever. You know, like it was the player was like, yeah, I get it. I kind of want to go. You know, I think I kind of want to go. And the team was like, hey, I know you just had a kid and stuff, <laughs> but we're going to we're probably going to let you go like in a little bit. Like not today, but I want you to get your stuff ready. Yeah. Get, you know, talk about it amongst yourselves. Let your wife know cuz we're probably going to trade you. And oh, <laughs> by the way, what's what situation would you like? Yeah, exactly. Oh, New Orleans, we'll make that happen. Like that just does not happen uh very often. So um, he was very Dude, respectful to the organization. It was, it was he's if <laughs> such a happy thing. If Zion if Zion returns next year, and I, I'm sure you've seen the video of him going through the legs on the dunk. Um, yeah. If he returns next year and it's Zion, CJ is in a way better situ- better situation than Dame is. I'd rather be CJ than Dame. And, I, and if, if you ask Dame tomorrow, honestly, which roster would you rather have, the Pelicans roster or the Blazers roster? He'd say the Pelicans all day long. You give him Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson and Jackson Hayes come off the bench and whatever else they throw around them, just find a couple shooters. That's, I mean, that's that's a contending team. Now you got I two. I don't see, D, I don't see DD on that roster. <laughs> yeah, right. there's no DD. True, that's a good point. <laughs> um, so no, of course. I mean, that's of course that's a no brainer right now. But I don't think that if you ask Dame, would you rather be CJ in New Orleans or Damian Lillard in Portland? I think he's going to pick Damian Lillard in Portland. Well, in I Portland, yeah, in Portland. I'm saying, yeah, but I'm saying, did. but I'm saying, I'm talking about team oh, and course, roster. Yeah, sure. and if and if the Blazers I mean, can't build two All Stars, CJ's the worst player on that team on the of those three if they're playing at the level in which we uh, of expectations. Right. But if we don't, and that's pretty good. If if we don't see the Blazers make some legitimate moves to elevate this roster, then. I still maintain and have maintained for a couple of years now that he will low key ask for a trade. He's not finishing his career in Portland on a team that doesn't have any type of shot to contend. I guarantee you that. Well, he's, and, and, and though I, you know, I respect the heck out of your opinion and your insight. He's pretty much said that, you know what I mean? He made, he said that at, especially after the season last year that he wants, right. he wants to win it and he, and you better, Put a team behind me that will will win it. Right. Um, so none of that to me is not even debatable that he would if he's in a situation where the team is struggling, and he doesn't see a quick turnaround. Um, he's going to make a di- he might make a different decision on his life. I mean, there, there's no doubt, and and no one will blame him. I mean, he's he's hitting that point in your career where you don't have you can't think long term anymore. You have a very short window. Of of guaranteed healthy days, and they're not even guaranteed. But in his mind, um, you know, I hope that you know guys are playing it. I mean, I know that it's just so weird. There's you know the Chris Pauls and the LeBron James. It just really hasn't happened before to play at that level at the, those ages. You know, it, and I know Damian thinks he can do it, but there he's got to be somewhat realistic to know that that might not happen. So um, the other part that was interesting to me was CJ's back and. There was nobody like there was nobody on the he team. He was playing a summer league that he was game. Playing against that, that he ever that he ever played with. Like, like he's got Larry Nance Jr. He only played for a little bit on his own team there. But like he's like, who are who who are you people? You know, hey, I, I'm CJ McCollum. I played here yeah. for a decade, and you're and your and name your is name, Mr. Exactly. Perry. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Can I get my phone out? I gotta. 
I gotta Google you. I don't know who you are. Yeah, that absolutely uh, hurt the the uh, the uh, aesthetics of the of the night. And I can't. So that makes me look forward to next year when he comes back with a loaded Pelicans yes. team and plays against Dame and the Blazers. Because then it's yes. like, okay, now I, I'm with the team you traded me to. We're fully ready to go. And now you're. I'm coming to play against what you sought to build by trading me. That's when it's going to be on, like Donkey Kong, right there, because that's going to matter. Right now, that's and the not way CJ. Right for for the game itself, yeah. it was just bizarre. It was just like, what situation do you get traded? Uh, you know, a month ago, and you go back and you don't know anybody that's dressed. I, <laughs> I mean, like that's crazy when you looked at it. I was like, you know, I um, I was like. I mean, the excitement was like, everyone was like, Didi's back. I'm like, what? You can't be back from something you've never been. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, you're not back. I was surprised. You have scored zero points. I was surprised. They made, zero points in the NBA. I was surprised they made him back. And I think they made him back because they were running out of bodies. Yes. They had, you can't play with seven. Yeah. You know, you can't. And people are tired when you play with eight. Out of but bodies. it just cracked me up. Like, Didi's back. I'm like, you can't. You can't. There's no comeback from not being there first. You know, you can't. Uh, but, yeah, that was that was very interesting. And I, 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 the Dame and CJ one-on-one, like, we haven't seen it that much. And we're going to see it. Like, that's going to be – and you know they're going to – they're just going to be loving it and talking trash and and just attacking each other if they get to to guard each other. And you know, Hart, if he's you know still with the team, which I expect him to be, uh, he's going to have some fire too. So, and who knows what else will be on the roster at that time? But uh, yeah, I think CJ back at the Moda going head to head with Dame guarding him because no one knows their moves better than each other. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they've been doing this forever. Um, that will be that'll be interesting, and I and I'd love to see you know. Those two guys go for 40 each, you know, like just back and forth. That'll be something to remember. A little bit more memorable than, uh, you know, CJ against DD. <laughs> so, okay, before we move on, where do you think CJ ranks all time? On the Blazers? Yeah. Wow, I haven't even done that math, but it's. Whew. So, okay, so off top of the head, gets it. Walton, Drexler, yeah, not the Dane. Top 10. Uh, Porter, Lucas, Buck Williams, Aldridge, Roy. That's eight. I would put ahead of ahead of him over the top, off the top of my head. Yeah. Kersey. I mean, he's a more prolific scorer than Kersey, but Kersey did so many different things. Um, did you say Rashid? Oh, Wallace. Sorry, he's ahead. Of, well, I mean, who else from that? Who else from that team? I would put Cliff. Rod- I mean, no. you have Damon Stoudemire on there. I would put Damon ahead of CJ. That one's close, though, no, right? I, I mean, so. scored 50. What? <laughs> I was like that when he scored 50. He scored 50 in a Blazers uniform. All right, I get you that. But, I mean, who do you think is a better player, Rasheed Wallace or CJ? I mean, that's where it's hard because I <sighs> I, I honestly personally memories. would put CJ ahead of Wallace because I think Wallace is one of the most egregious underachievers in the history of this franchise, if not yes. the NBA. And even that he drove me bananas. That guy, he should. I'm not saying he should have been Duncan, but he should have been right there. Sort of like Dame is to CJ to uh, Curry. Dame is not Curry. I mean, I I know Blazer fan hate hearing that, but Dame is not Stephen Curry. He's not that good, but he's right there to where it's at least a fight. Rasheed should have been that way with Duncan, and it drove me bananas. Therefore. That's why I would take CJ over Stoudemire. Excuse me, over Wallace. As for Stoudemire, in Portland, Stoudemire was 13 points, six assists a game. 
Yeah, yeah. I'm just remembering weird demon style in my memories. You're right. That's not even close. But the Rashid one's tough for me because he was such a talented player. They were, you know, they won. They almost won a title. Um, and he was skill, full potential wise, always, you know, maybe the best guy on the court. You know, I mean, he just could do. You're right. He wanted to shoot threes when he should have been just crushing people. No, I didn't mind the threes. He he's one of the first. Stretch, he's one of the first stretch bigs ever. Legitimate stretch bigs ever. No, I mean, he changed. He, he I think he helped change the game. I know, agree. But he was, some of it his own stub, stubbornness because right. he was like, I'm going to do it. Uh, but I mean, the guy didn't go to the weight room. You know, there's right. great stories about that. He just fi- paid the fine. You know what I mean? Like, he was and, 17 and, and seven in Portland. And he should have been 25 and 13. And that's not an exaggeration. You know, just the scoring numbers to me, they're bloated now a little bit, you know, on especially what Rashid did on that team. Cause those, those teams would, I don't know. I just think if you asked me to draft today in their prime Rashid or CJ and I needed to win, I take, I would take Rashid. Because I think I could find other guys that were close to, you know, if you gave me Will Barton and Rasheed Wallace, I would, you know, like I'd, I'd feel better than if you gave me CJ and, you know, Joel Prisbilla. Dame and Rasheed is a better pairing than Dame and CJ because Dame and CJ are redundant. I agree. I think Wallace is the better talent. But I'm not going to sit here and say he's the better blazer because I think CJ gave yeah, Max effort. That's fair. And I don't think Rashid did. But that's just me. And maybe it's because there's like maybe five or six times. I, so I, I had, think we could say he's a he's a top ten blazer, right? I, I, I'm not I'm not coming up with a tenth yet. Other than I mean, yeah. two, three, four, seven. I didn't but, do it. You didn't give me prep on. Okay, that so I, I missed. I have Walton, Drexler, Dame, Porter, Lucas, Buck, Aldridge, Roy, Kersey, Wallace. So for me. And I can't think. Am I missing? Any? Oh, what about Zach Randolph? Ooh. I mean, while he was with the Blazers, would you put him ahead? I mean, probably not. Right? I don't know. Uh, no, nah, I wouldn't. Hold on, I'm calling him up. Six seasons. Yeah, <laughs> sixteen and eight, which isn't long enough. Sixteen and eight. Man, he was a beast, though. I mean, like yeah, it's just so weird because you're asking and, 10 and nineteen, but yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd put CJ ahead. You know, when I think, yeah. So I'm, I'm I mean, saying nine. I'm saying nine ten for CJ. I mean, it's just Unless weird because like, nine I mean, or ten. You know, you love Scottie Pippen. Does he count? Who? <laughs> Scottie Pippen. You know, he's no, a blazer. No, no. no. Pippen was not. Uh, not Pippen. Sabonis. <sighs> Sabonis. I mean, I would definitely. He's definitely better. Sabonis was definitely better. In his prime, he was um, better, but was he better as a blazer? Well, he was pretty damn good. You know, he was pretty magical. Uh, but yeah, the, the longevity and the, the impact. Um, See, that's a tough one right there. I mean, I, I'll give you that. That's tough. I, I think most fans would probably, most long term fans, not new school fans, people who've been fans for a while would probably go with Sabonis. Yeah, I, I, I probably would. I mean, but. Yeah. You know his career averages are are not are not great. You know, I mean, like if you just look at, um, yeah, but he wasn't overall, asked. He wasn't asked to do as much as he could have done, and he he no. was so skilled at so many different things. It's just you know, who's the better player? Just like with a sheet, who's the better? Yeah, player? I mean, yeah, I think it's you know if you look at Sabonis, it's, it's numbers are actually better than I thought. 
You know, yeah. yeah so Sabonis was a better player, game. and he gave you max effort. He didn't give you killer stats because no, of so his I, role. And that's one of my things with the the, the the Dame Drexler argument. The people who think Dame's the greatest player Blazer of all time will point to his stats. Well, if you if you take into account the three point difference in terms of three pointers made because of the different eras, if you take that into account. Dame's average per game drops dramatically, more in line with Clyde's. Clyde though averaged twenty seven. Oh. One year on a team that went to the finals. And then you can say, well, but he had a better team. Well, and you can't. Well, okay. If Dane played on a better team, he wouldn't have scored as much. So you can go back and forth around and around. But for me, I'm taking a six, 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 seven guy who's a way better defender <laughs> over the small point guard all day long, regardless of the volume of stats they put up on the worst teams. And you can't touch people in the NBA anymore. No, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, in the sense yeah, that, no, and when Drexler played, you could mug him. You know, and like, your right. your Bulls won a lot of games, you know, 98, you know, 92. You can't win any games scoring 90. I mean, the Blazers <laughs> were a high-scoring team back then. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a different league when you just yeah. look at stats. I mean, you oh, Damian 100%. Lillard could not, nobody could average the points that they're averaging. Not nobody, because Wilt could have scored 50 anytime, and Michael would have been a scorer. But I mean, it's just a, different nba now where they've changed the rules to where you can um you know you could score you could just you can't you go to the line if you can't play defense the way you did back then you know you just can't you could put a you could push a guy in the back back then you know what i mean like and, and <laughs> it'd be okay and you couldn't play zone you know for three pointers you couldn't play zone you had to play man so um yeah, it's a different league, but I think I've decided Sabonis is better than CJ. I'm I'm going to stick with that one. The Rashid argument's interesting. So either way, he's a he's a problem, and I don't think that's great 10, 11, for 12. Blazer fans. 9, 10, 11, to say CJ's a top ten player. I'm just saying, like, it's right. not even that. You know, you could debate he's in the top ten, but that's not awesome because he's never even been an All Star. You know, like right. you you want to, but he's fifth like all time in scoring. Dude. He's fifth all time in scoring again. But how much of that Again, was empty calories? That's, a, that's right, and a lot of that's also all those things we talked about—the things you just said about yeah. uh, you had to in the NBA. Now you got to score 110 points a night. I mean, you pretty much have to. Like, so you there some two people, two people are going to get 20. I was just going to say when it was Dame and CJ, they were both going to get 20, 25. Like they had to, right. unless they shot, unless they they would shoot. Back in the day, seven for seventeen was frowned upon. You know what I mean? Like, why is he shooting seventeen shots if he can't? He can only make seven. Now you shoot seven for seventeen. You know, three of them are threes, and you got fouled a bunch. You scored thirty-one, and you didn't really have a good night. <laughs> so points sometimes. I'm just saying, like, that's the truth of the NBA. <laughs> you know, you okay, probably so, lost. <laughs> so what I was going to say is that Dane would start on the finals teams alongside Jackson in the back. He start over Porter. CJ would come off the bench and play 23 minutes and score you, you know, 11, 12 points. Yeah. I mean, it's hard for me to go with changing generations, but there's no doubt. Uh, it's so weird. Cause like, how can you bench Terry Porter? And like, I can't, but of course, Dave, well, for Dame, I, Terry would, Porter. I, I just, you know, CJ, right? CJ's, it's not, so, average, it's a weird CJ's not averaging 20. He's not averaging 20 plus on a title team. Not on that team. That's what, about McCullough. You know, like if you put not, on any, a, not on any title team. Yeah. No title team ever is he averaging 20 plus. That's what I'm saying. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not I, – I think no matter – to me, C.J. McCollum, 
Uh, if he plays 35 minutes a game, he's going to get you 20, like guaranteed, no matter what. You might win, you might Depends lose. Depends on the team I he's on. I feel the same way. I mean, but now. I feel you the same now, way yeah. about God. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, in the NBA, I feel the same way about Lou Williams. I feel the same way about Will Barton. You know, like, it doesn't mean that CJ's not better than them, but there are certain players that score. You know, Will Barton plays 35 minutes. He's probably going to get you 20 because that's what he does. You know, they score. Um, Jamal Crawford was like that, except he gets you 50 for five different teams. I mean, there's certain guys that are going to score points if you give them minutes. Right, but not on contenders. That's what I'm saying. You are listening to the Blazer Focus Podcast. We'll be right back after a short break. As predicted. <laughs> okay, I only said five. I said at least five games no, each. You said you win. You got I said it. at least five it. games each. You but win. my God. So when they when when they shut down, well, they didn't shut when they said Anthony was out one to two weeks, which is a weird number to me. And then he would be reevaluated. I was like, right. There's no way they were going to bring him back for the final eight games of the season. Same thing with Nurkic. Those guys were donezo. This was all part of the plan. There's, there's no way if they were in contention for the fourth seed or something like that right now, Hart, Winslow, Nurkic, Ant would all be playing. And I'm not, I'm not trying to call anyone a, a liar. I'm not trying to call, say they don't have anything wrong with them. I'm saying this was tanking. This wasn't tanking 101. This was tanking 380. This was next level. Master was master's level. 550. Tanking <laughs> 550. This, was, this wasn't just reading the Shakespeare plays. You're reading the Shakespeare sonnets in this class. You know? You're breaking down drafts of Shakespeare stuff, right? This isn't just Romeo and Juliet. Like This is... This is real stuff. Exactly. This is ma- so. Anyway, so that it is what it is. Risk but what reward. that has done, risk what that reward. Has done, That's though, what the Blazers are doing. Yeah. So what that They're has doing done risk is reward. That, right. So now, after losing last night and Sacramento winning, the Blazers now have the sixth worst record in the NBA, and they're only a couple of games ahead of the Indiana Pacers, whom they lost to uh, a week or so ago. So. I don't think the only game on the schedule where you could say they really would have a chance to win, barring some kind of crazy game where they shoot 75% from three, which almost happened the other night when they almost beat um, <laughs> Oklahoma City. They shot 40% from three. And I think McLemore had a, a McLemore's, they Okay. That's the guy that needs to get hurt now. McLemore's coming off the bench, <laughs> dropping, <laughs> dropping 20s like it's nothing. He's just, he's just killing it. But Drew, um, hey, Drew Eubanks is a is a double Drew double Eubanks. machine. I w- I was surprised they gave him another ten day contract. I'd be like, nah, man, you you too good, bro. We got we got we got to move <laughs> on from you and just start Perry anyway. So now they're sick. They got shot at falling to Indiana because I don't think they're gonna win again. They play at OKC, but OKC is better. And the thing that was funny about the Houston. So going into the Houston weekend. I saw a lot of people like, yeah, they're not going to do any better than what they are. They may even go up to eighth or ninth because look at their schedule. And I'm like, their schedule's not relevant because they're not fielding, fielding. They're not putting out there an NBA team. This is not an NBA lineup. This is a summer league lineup. And even Chauncey said the other day, he's like, none of these guys are going to be blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you're just admitting that none of these guys are going to be factors next year for anybody. Um, so. When the Houston, I went to the Friday Houston game. I boycotted the Saturday Houston game. 
But I went to the Friday Houston game, and it was instantly, like as, within 60 seconds, it was obvious that Houston was a way more talented team. Their record meant nothing. That they had the worst record in the league didn't mean a damn thing because that team on the floor would sweep the Blazers in a series every single time. There's no reason they should ever lose to the Blazers in a serious game. And they smoked them, and they smoked them the next night. So I don't think they're going to win again, which goes back to my original prediction before the break was they would win maybe six more games. They won four in a row, and then Cronin and Billups nipped that in the bud. So I, I may actually end up being right because they're at six, and I don't think they're going to win again. So uh, to quote Kevin Garnett, anything is possible. <laughs> they could lose every game. Yes, it's possible. They're going to get smoked this weekend. And by they could go to fifth. There's no doubt a win in December means nothing about, to the, uh, about this Blazers team in, you know, in, in April, in April, it's that it's their record means nothing. I mean, absolutely. It's not uh, relevant and they're clearly not coach. They're not their intent. Their major focus right now is not victories. I think that's fair to say. Um, and it's, interesting to understand like how they're even deciding who plays when like that's that's kind of what i'm kind of thinking when i'm watching these games i'm like okay so what's the strategy now? like here you know like <laughs> they have a chance like because no like ben mclemore is the he's he could he could score 40 and they could win you know like that could happen because he if he shoots if they let him shoot 12 threes and he makes eight <laughs> You know, I mean, like that's that's a possibility. And next thing you know, uh, you win by two. Um, I mean, they had a game go to overtime. It could have gone either way, you know. And it was all they they should have won that game. Yeah, they couldn't. They right. I mean, honestly, how did they were winning by a significant margin with very few minutes left in the game? You know that I don't know what the arrow said on the ESPN like winning percentage, but it was (laughs) it was real high with a few minutes left, and then it went. straight down and they somehow managed to lose. Um, yeah. And I think that that's, they don't care. I mean, but that's what always makes these things so weird to me because one loss, the difference between one more ping pong ball could be the difference between making your franchise or, you know, a contender for 10 years or making you disappointed that the, you know, the six pick was a, was a complete bust. So, but at the same time, the sixth pick could be Damian Lillard. I mean, not again, because he's already a human and you can't clone. That's illegal. So right right now, (laughs) mock drafts obviously are all over the place. But if you care this weekend, there are three guys who will be playing in the final four. That could be on the Blazers' radar. You have A.J. Griffin from Duke, small forward who on some mock drafts are anywhere from six to nine, which right now would be the range the Blazers would be in, unless they won the lottery and jumped into the top three. And then that puts you in the discussion with uh, Bonchero. Is that how you pronounce it? Bancaro. Anyway. Bancaro. Bancaro. Love him. That. Love the power him. forward from Duke, from Duke as well, who's projected oh. one, two, or three, depending on the mock. Chet oh. Holmgren has dropped in some mocks, which I I just I, – if I'm number one, I'm just not going to do it. <laughs> he's too. I would trade skinny. out. I would. I would trade out. I would, well, or I would just take some oh, one, one of the other kids. If you're the Blazers, Jamari. If you're the Blazers, you're someone. If else, I'm anyone, not. but if, if I'm the Blazers, anyone, you trade out. 
Okay, if I okay, name me. Well, then no one's going to take star. him. If you're anybody, nobody's going to take him. He's going to go well, seven. It's what your expectations are. But name me a legitimate star in NBA history who was that thin and at, at a at a oh. power forward to center position. At a power forward to center position, not Durant. Dude, he's not Durant. I, as much as people like to pretend he's got Durant skills, he's not Durant. No, I failed okay. every every. I I will say Sean Bradley back in the day. Yeah, I he was second, he, right? He batted. Yeah, and, and you know he had a fine career defensively, but yes, he was. In a, but I, I remember I read that he hit three ninety in high school baseball, and I was young at the time, so I was convinced that that meant he was such a great athlete that he was going to revolutionize the game. Amazing, blah 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 blah. He, he was too skinny and not skilled enough. I think Chet Holmgren's going to be fun to watch. It'll be interesting, and maybe he will, and he'll surprise us all. But no, absolutely not. I want Jabari Smith. I love Ben Carroll. For the Blazers, I just love him. I love his size. I love that he's a playmaking, you know, player at his size. That he's gonna grow into a bigger body. Um, I've just been super impressed with him, and I don't think they could get him unless they, you know, I feel he's gonna probably be a top four pick. Uh, his stock is rising, but of course, all this changes afterward and workouts start and the real discussions begin. Uh, but that I would not. No way I want home groom either. I just don't. First of all, you got Nurkic. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it's not an instant. Nurkic can't play the four and maybe home can play the four, but come on. Come on. Like, he's going to get killed. He wouldn't start. He wouldn't start. He wouldn't start. He'd come off the bench. Not on the Blazers. Right. What's the point? Like, we need a. The Blazers need a starter. They need a starter. Right. I agree. But if, if they, okay, if you believe that the person you're going to pick, if you can't trade the pick, which we'll get to later, if you believe that person is going to be a star, you take him regardless of whether he's going to start right away. Because at the very least, if you think he's going to be a star down the road, he's going to at least be a bench guy and a really good one coming off the bench. And then you've also put yourself in a position where now you got Ant and you got that guy after game is done done. So I would, regardless, I'm, I'm taking, I'm taking the guy I think has the biggest star potential regardless of Damian Lillard. Doesn't Dame doesn't matter in that and you don't, even you if don't, it's a and, guard? I, and we agree it's not Holmgren because we agree. It's I, not. I don't think it, I don't think it is. But if I'm at six and Holmgren falls to me at six, and he's I think oh. he's way better than everyone yeah. else, then I'm gonna take him. But I always recommend this every year. Don't just look at today's mock drafts and then and speculate and think and ponder. Go look at past actual drafts because you see them in retrospect five, ten, fifteen, twenty years. And things jump out to you because you remember the draft and how everyone, Hubie Brown, oh, this guy's going to be there at backcourt for the next 10 years. And the guy played three years in the league and averaged four points per game. And you, it's like looking at the Bradley draft. Bradley went second. Guess who went third? Do you remember? 1993 draft. What year are we? 93. 93 draft. Uh, it went Weber, Bradley, the and then boom. Weber, Bradley, and then... I, I know my that. spot, fool. I'm re- the Secret Service couldn't guard oh, me. Penny Hardaway. Can you do that Penny for a brother? Hardaway. Exactly. So imagine, like, I mean, now Penny had injury injuries down the line, but there's he, no comparison yeah, between did. those two. And a team decided to draft Bradley because he was seven foot twenty, and ignored the more clearly, more obviously talented guy staring him in the face, who probably should have gone one. Actually. There was a trade that actually ended up preventing him from going one. So anyway, that's why when I look at these drafts, it's like I'm not going to fall in love with someone because of a bunch of nonsense. 
if I'm a team, I'm, I'm going to look at someone and say, who do I honestly believe is going to be the very best player, period? And I'm taking him. And I don't care how it impacts the rest of my roster because at the, at the very least, it's going to be a trade piece because I don't want to get stuck with a bust and then look back and say, oh, I passed on, you know, Jason Tatum for Markel Fultz. Um, I passed on, you know, Donovan Mitchell for Zach Collins. <laughs> Although I'm just joking there because that's injuries. I don't, I don't, injuries. That, yeah, injuries true. and hindsight 2020. It, it, yeah, but if you read, if, but even, even if yeah, you but Don, if Donovan and, and, but Donovan, if Donovan were, if, if anyone thought Donovan, if anyone in the NBA thought Donovan was going to be as good as he is, he would have gone top five. And if anyone, let anyone in the draft could have had him. If you, if you had the 22nd pick, you could have got Donovan Mitchell. Do you know how I know? I know because that's how Donovan Mitchell was acquired. It was a draft day trade. Utah didn't draft him. Denver did. And then Utah traded like their 22nd pick or whatever it was. And then some dude they drafted the year before. Neither guy, I think is even in the league right now for Donovan Mitchell. So any team could have draft, traded up and got him. So that's, so I, I'm just joking when I bring that up. But my point is, if you try and draft for need or if you try and draft because of Dame or blah, 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 you're going to end up screwing yourself. So I'm taking the best player no matter what. Uh, one other guy. So now we go down to where if the Pelicans do not make the playoffs, they can make the play in, but they can't make the playoffs and, and they don't get the top four pick, a top four pick. Then the Blazers get their pick. So right now you're looking at 10, 11, 12, somewhere in that range. Uh, there's Ty Ty Washington from Kentucky. He's not playing this weekend though, but there is, you can help me with the pronunciation again. Uh, the kid from Kansas, Oche Agbaji. Is that right? Sure. Um- <laughs> sure. Anyway, he is, he, he is right now, actually in this mock draft, he's shown going to Portland at 11. Um, he's averaging 19 points, five rebounds a game. He's in the final four with Kansas. He just dropped 18, five and four with four steals, eight for 12 from the field against Miami in the elite eight. So there's a guy to watch out for this weekend because you never know whom the Blazers. I will say that I, I've seen Agbaje go a lot lower in a lot of drafts so but mm-hmm. we'll see and and here's the one that I, I remember looking like an nba draft room i think that's the one i was looking at and you know they always do that comparison and the, the comparison for him was felipe lopez i'm like that's not good <laughs> that's not what you want for your comparison player <laughs> that's not cool <laughs> no you know and i i i had a Felipe Lopez was from Queens and I, I actually went to the McDonald's all American game that year that it was in, cause it was in New York and, uh, uh, and I thought he was going to be, you know, amazing. Uh, and I was wrong. And that's the other thing when I look at what I've seen and admittedly, I'm a little bit, um, it's, you know, I'm like a little kid. It's a toy that I last played with or what I watched, you know, the movie I just saw. I've just love, uh, what I've seen from Ben Carroll at six foot 10, um, as a freshman, uh, just his, just all around game. You know, I, I just see a, a Chris Weber type player, you know, and I know there's been comparison that ways, but I see that why. I mean, he can shoot the three, you know, it's college level, but he, he can handle the ball and he doesn't look, he doesn't look 6'10 when he has it. So, uh, and obviously the sheer talent of Jabari Smith and, you know, J- Jaden Ivey, you know, is a guard that's a top five possibility. Um, but I, I I agree with you. I think that if you see that guy, and you think that's the that's the franchise changer, and you you if you're the Blazers with two picks, you do whatever you can to get that guy. If it's if it's trading up, um, 
you, you, you got to go for it because um, there are not making that move. People regret not making that move a lot more than they do regret making that move. Um, so you should do it because, you know, you don't often have this opportunity to have two first round draft picks like at that level. Um, but two mediocre guys, I'd rather have one. I'd rather have one. I'd have a one, uh, you know, potential all-star than two solid starters right now if you're the Blazers. Yeah. No, if, if they get up into the top four and they're sitting there and they believe Jaden Ivey is a can't-miss Russell Westbrook-type talent, then you take him over the power forward who you're kind of like, yeah, he's, he could be good. Yeah. <laughs> you just do. And then, yeah, no, you're done in that guard again. But, I, oh, well, because Dame's not going to be around forever. It's a wonderful but. reminder to do that. It's a wonderful reminder because so many things change, even at the very top level where you're, you're you know, you're shocked at the, at, at, there's a reason why Steve Nash got traded. You know what I mean? Like, and it worked out in a way, you know, like there, you just never know how, what's coming up and how that could change your franchise. So I, I, right. um, I, some, I am guilty of, of, of saying, Oh, you already got Dame. I, and I've done that before. Um, even though I know better, it's a hard, it's hard to not look past what you already have. So it's a, it's a good reminder, Mr. Fentress. It's a good go, reminder go that good, the best franchise, best franchises don't play. They go for the best talent and you they figure the it out later. Here and you figure it out. Yep. We all it's know. Not, it's not I mean, the NFL. It's not the NFL. No. In the NFL, you got to take a quarterback. You got to because you can't win. No, without. see that's no, so that's garbage. I don't know how many. No, all right, that's a different two podcast. Teams, different podcast. Just but too many teams take a <laughs> quarterback just to take one. They're ranked twenty fifth and they take them at ten because we need a quarterback. No, you don't need that quarterback. You can wait. You can sign a veteran and take the best player. Anyway, all right. Um, saying, though, you let's get, no, it, it is different. I agree uh, with you. It's yeah, different. Close to an hour, but I'm just saying I would not yeah. take. Just reach, there's just too many reaches that have gone bad. Okay, fact of centrist because that's going to lead me to our final our final. Uh, Here we final. go. All right, give it to us. Back none to of this. No, listen to me. None of this stuff matters. None of this mock draft nonsense matters. Yeah, I'm gonna talk about it because I got to. But none of this matters in the top five, top three, whatever. Because you know what? They're not keeping the pick. They're trading the damn pick. They don't want the pick. They want players. And the player they want, who's probably gonna be available, is Jeremy Grant. And I see people saying, "Oh, like Jeremy Grant, he traded, traded the Pelicans pick for Jim." No, you're not gonna get Jeremy Grant for the Pelicans pick at 10, 11, 12. The, the Detroit Pistons are not gonna want that. If they take that pick, they're gonna want Nasir and somebody else. Maybe even Ant. If I'm them, I want a top six, top five pick for Jeremy Grant. He's that good because he's ready now. He and, and Detroit's going to know that's what the Blazers are looking for. They're going to know that the Blazers want a guy who's ready now to step in and be a high-impact power forward, which is exactly the position they need, and that's going to cost the Blazers their highest pick, period. So if they end up with keeping this pick, it's because they could not make a move that was going to make this team better. The free agent market stinks. They're not going to go on the free agent market and land that impact player. They're going to have to make a trade. It's going to have to be for a team that's looking to continue to rebuild. If I'm Detroit, I'm not giving Jeremy Grant a four-year, $111 million extension. Why? We suck. I want picks. I want picks and I want young talent. I want that Blazers top six pick or even if it goes a little higher, that's what I want. And the Blazers would do it in a nanosecond because they want Grant. They don't want that pick. So all this mock stuff, I'm, look at it for fun right now. But if the Blazers end up picking with that pick, 
next season is going to not be that very very uh, productive. They're not going to have success because they're still going to have that huge asshole at power forward. So you said a lot of things, Hello? but what's your what, what's your statement? <laughs> that they're going to trade the statement. pick. That none of this matters. They're going to trade the okay. pick. They're going to trade the pick. That and you say they're trading the pick, and and likely I'm saying that, that yeah I'm saying their highest pick is gone. So you're that saying they're playing, that the mock drafts don't matter. Analyzing them won't matter because they're going to trade that pick, and if they don't trade that pick, it's a bad off season. So. You're you're saying they're going to trade out of that pick for a player? How many times I got to say it? They're going to trade yes. not. Well, because you're saying they're going to trade the pick. I think they might trade the pick, but I think they might trade it and move up. That's a different argument. So I'm trying to get you okay. to you know I, summarize. I said exactly Jeremy. What you're I, they're not going to move up to get Jeremy Grant. I mentioned Jeremy Grant. Clearly, I'm talking about trading the pick for okay. a player. I said uh, they need to acquire players, not rookies. Go. Uh, fiction. Because anytime someone predicts a trade, it never happens. It doesn't matter who it is. It's never happened in the history of sports. No one's ever called a trade. It doesn't happen. And if it does, it's only by a person that calls 10 trades and then gets to say, well, I told you. So no, I say, uh, fiction. I don't, I, I don't agree that, uh, the Blazers would, because I think they might. If they do get Grant, they're going to have to give him the same extension. And I'm not sure they're comfortable. Oh, they are. I'm not saying they they can't do that. 100%. But I would be more. I I wouldn't be shocked if they did what you just said. They that they they trade the lower pick, the Pelicans, and Nasir Little for him. I I might I if I were the Blazers and you like Grant that much, I would do that. So I'm going to say fiction. But I love the passion. I love the possibility. And um, I think it's basically a way for you to get out of doing more mock draft work because I know you don't love it. So there you go. No, I actually don't All mind right, that stuff. No- I, I love doing it with the NFL. I, I don't mind doing it. it. I'm just telling you. I'm I'm telling you. Look, Detroit so is not taking. Detroit's not taking the tenth or eleventh pick. That's just. There's no way they're doing that. If they do, they're stupid. There are very few no NBA trades Jeremy Grant. for for a for a pick uh, for just a pick and a, a current player. Very few happen, so I'm going fiction, and I'm asking Mr. Thien to come in. Let's cap this bad boy off with one of your no-look passes. A question from our our, uh, incredible producer that neither Aaron or I have previewed. You got something? I got two for you. What did you think of Yusuf Nurkic's outfit last night? Oh, God. Was he going fishing? Oh, see, I thought it was a flak jacket. I was looking for lures and hooks and stuff. I was thinking, was this kind of some kind of political statement? Uh, I thought it was um, anyone who could pull that off. I have ultimate respect for because 99.9999% of people could not wear that uh, without uh, being mocked uh, considerably. That said, no one should take fashion advice from me. So my opinion matters not at all on, on this on this subject. So that to me looked like something that I would walk by in a Kmart and to be a rack of them for fourteen ninety nine. I'd be like, who'd wear that? But Nurkic paid like a thousand dollars for it <laughs> because in the world he in the in the stratosphere he operates in, uh, people spend a lot of money on clothes unnecessarily because they can, and so that's how I felt about it. Not to bag it, I'm not saying it wasn't cool. I just would like have no interest whatsoever ever purchasing it. Not to bag it, Andrew. Not to bag it, Andrew. I just wouldn't have spent fourteen dollars on that in Kmart, and he spent a grand. But I'm not bagging on it. <laughs> All right, number two. 
Are you rooting for Coach K to go out on top and Hell win no! the title? Yeah. Uh, uh. So <laughs> there you go. Here's the right? thing. Here, here's the Please, thing. I'm, first of all, I'm a Tar Heel fan, so I want the Tar Heels to win. Of course, I, I, I do not. I'm. I grew up as a youngster rooting for North Carolina. I was a. Uh, I loved Jeff Lebo, and I loved Kenny Smith. Um, so I've never liked Duke. Uh, I have reasons for not liking Duke. You're not going to find, I mean, some of it, um, I don't usually root for small private schools that cost a fortune. It's not like North Carolina <laughs> doesn't cost a fortune, but right. so that's, uh, there it is. I do not root for North Carolina as much as I used to because, uh, 1993, when I was on the bench of the university of Rhode Island, second round of the tournament, uh, we got smoked by North Carolina, and it took a little of the fandom away from me. They did win the title that year. But I have found myself rooting for him more than I ever have. So on a scale of 1 to 10, when I used to be at a 0, I'm about at a 2. Like, I'd be able to swallow it if he won, but no. I'm going to root for North Carolina to beat Duke. But I won't be as nauseated as if you caught me when I was, you know, when I was 20. Oh God, you know, I, I just hated Duke. Uh, and I'm still not. And so like when I see Christian Leitner, I still get those feelings, but yet I can watch Ben Caro and like, be like, I want to watch this guy. So no, I'm with, but no, I don't want him to win at all. I've been a Tar Heel fan since I was 10. So yeah, I don't like Duke. There's some, just, I mean, obviously I respected some of their teams, you know, the Leitner, Hurley, Grant Hill teams were really good. And some others, obviously. Um, but no, I don't, I don't, I have, yeah, I, want to see Duke lose whenever possible, especially to North Carolina in the Final Four. I don't know if Carolina has the horses, though. I feel like Duke's probably going to win. But here's my favorite anti-Duke moment. <clears throat> the way the national media fawned all over Bobby Hurley his freshman year just nauseated the hell out of me. They acted like he was the greatest, most intelligent guard in the history of the planet. And when they played UNLV in the finals and Anderson Hunt and Greg Anthony took it to him, man, woo! Do you remember that? So Bobby Hurley, of course, is from the great state of New Jersey. I think they won by 30. Those two just dogged that dude. Go ahead. Oh, they smoked yeah. him. Uh, anyway. but, but that said, that said, Bobby Hurley was a really good college guard. He was. And he came back and he, and he came and back. He probably and probably would have been a very solid NBA player if he didn't get in that car accident. It, it was just that whole classic thing where he was just oh, and, uh, made out to be this epic you had genius. Arcanian and Krzyzewski. Yeah, I was like, oh, God. So, I, anyway. No one ever did that with UNC, though. Hmm? They didn't do that with Hansborough at UNC. The same thing didn't happen. Oh, I was disgusted by that, too. <laughs> I was, are you kidding me? I know. I'm just, I'm just playing. But it, just what playing. North Carolina jersey would you wear if you could? Ventures, I know we both don't wear our jerseys. I have Jordan and Vince Carter. Do you? Right. Yeah. Well, I, I don't have any jersey, but if I did, I would don a, a King Rice jersey because that uh, well, I was still a North Carolina fan when King Rice was supposed to lift us up, and we we struggled with King Rice. He ended up being a <laughs> he was a, a New York guy. I loved you know, I but yeah, I was such a huge Tar Heel you know fan when I was a kid. I you know other people I was in Big East country, um, and I didn't I chose uh, Pitt and I chose North Carolina for <laughs> the two teams that I rooted for, and I just. I love those. Uh, I love those teams, and you know J.R. Reed. You know, like I loved uh, oh, yeah, rooting for Reed. those teams and rooting against Duke. Um, but Sean I just not, I don't have that. I still root for North Carolina over Duke every time, and I hope. Of I just you know I, I I really 
the St. Peter's story was I that got me. I totally enjoyed that. Um, but now I'm just not these four teams. I don't really like any of them other than North Carolina and. I will just root against Duke, and that's just not. I don't like just rooting against, but that's what I'll do. But uh, but I will say this, Fentress, you should watch uh, Ben Carroll a little bit more. I think you're gonna like him, and I think you'll think of him. Uh, you might be like, maybe I won't trade Jeremy Grant for Jeremy Grant. Maybe I'll go for this kid. Well, if you, I mean, if they get the uh, the second pick, I could see them having pause. But again, I'm if I'm trying to win now and keep Dame around, I'm trading that pick. Anyway, we all done. Always love hanging out with this crew. We're done. All right. We're done. We'll be back after four or five more Blazer losses. <laughs> and uh, be sure to hit that subscribe button and uh, give us a positive rating. And thanks for listening to the Blazer Focused Podcast.